This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What I believe now is that all suffering comes from losing our integrity. And I know that, I don't mean that moralistically. If everything's working right together, then we don't suffer. And when there's a piece out of joint, things go wrong. And they go wrong in a way that's designed to bring them to our attention. And the most attention-getting thing in the world is suffering. Welcome to the Road to Somewhere, where we talk about all things exploration, adventure, major life changes, transformation. It's about not necessarily knowing where we're going, but having faith that the journey will be worthwhile. I'm Lisa Oz. And I am Jill Herzig. And literally since day one, when we started thinking about this podcast, we were both in places where we were, I think we we were stuck. Mm -hmm. We We were too stuck Two stuck checks, and we wanted desperately to talk to the person who is on the podcast Only today. Only one Our person, guest today. always one person, the guru of change. Yes. The, the, the uber life coach, I think the first life coach, Martha Beck, <laughs> the magnificent and, and illustrious and amazing Martha Beck. Martha, thank you for being finally coming to see us. We need you. I, I, I am so overwhelmed by praise that I am unable, I'm undergoing a life transformation right here and I cannot cope. It's just a hot flash. So thank Don't. you for having me, but I have nothing to say. No. I've never known you to have nothing to say. Uh, yeah. Wait till oh, we ask you a million and one questions. Say. We've got so many questions, believe, believe me. Well, all right, so our podcast is about transformation, as you probably right. gathered from the open, and what struck me as I just saw you was the transformation of your beautiful hair. Oh, and, yes. You know, I've All known three you for of my hair. <laughs> <laughs> You're a brunette, and this was not was okay. So has this changed your perception after of the years world? of being blonde? Well, because yeah. bl- people look at blondes differently. I don't know if you're aware of that, but. 
blondes are always like it gives you a good three points on the looks scale. You know, they'll <laughs> it's so not truly. So look at you. No, like, it's so really white. true. If I were blonde, I'd be so hot. No, I'm just kidding. But I love you as a brunette. It's really pretty. How are well, you feeling I grew about up it? Blonde. Like I was. My mother's half Swedish, so we all all my siblings and I had the really white blonde hair, and then it started darkening and it just looked like mousy. And so I thought, ah, I, I liked it as a child better. So then I lightened it. And then I went to a hairdresser. But the interesting thing is, on the topic of change, I I use this thing in my coaching, a a cycle of change. And there are signals when you've really, truly changed your identity. And one of those is that you change your hair pretty dramatically. And actually, sociologists... This goes for men too, I take it. Yeah. Sociologists say that, that hairstyle is actually one of the most profound markers of identity. So like in all slave societies, slaves were only allowed to have one hairstyle. So it's, it's really powerful. But this one happened to me by chance. I literally just went to get my haircut and my wonderful hairstylist said, your mind, I darken it. I was like, go for it. <laughs> she put the thing on and she pulled off the, like the veil she'd put on my head and she said, don't freak out. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but what you just, what you just said made me think that you are actually whether you knew it or not, you were ready for something. Because if otherwise, when she said, you mind I darken it, you would have said, what are you kidding? Right. <laughs> no. I, I mean, every time I see a client come in with a new hairstyle, I'm like, aha. It's, I mean, it's profoundly significant. And this one happened to me more or less by accident. But because I think that way about change, I paid attention. Well, for one thing, I said yes. And for another thing, I looked at myself in the mirror and went, huh. Who am I going to be now? Because I know you only change your hair dramatically like that when your whole identity is changing. And have you felt a shift energetically? Oh, yeah, I have. But this was just like a couple of months ago. So what's different besides your hair color? Ah, I've been writing this book about living in complete integrity. And because I'm writing it, I've been trying to be incredibly aware of my own integrity and only making choices that feel really deeply right for me. And uh, it's, it's changed a lot of small things. It's, but it's, it's shaking at the foundation of my identity. Like everything I've ever not been honest about is falling away. But can I ask you, I, I think of you as somebody, you've, you've been a life coach and a trainer of life coaches. You call yourself mm. a wayfinder. You absolutely are. Almost 20 years of a, being a columnist for, for oh, the Oprah magazine. How, how have you not been living in integrity? It, it seems like, how is that possible? Well, what I came to find out a few years ago, I, I actually just like went off to the woods for about six years. There's a phase in a lot of people's lives when they're contemplative, where you just go into the wild. And I started by going into the wild of Africa. And then I came home one day and thought, I can't live in a city. So I moved to the edge of a national forest in California for six years. And while I was there, I didn't really interact with many people. And I started to realize that any interaction with other people was causing me to lose track of my essence. And so I had to like be just completely quiet. And I'm kind of still in this phase. Be completely quiet and only listening to that inner voice without anyone else interacting with me at all. Because every little departure from my true nature, from social pressure or culture, it was, it was in a blind spot. 
I couldn't see where I wasn't being true to myself, but I became obsessed with absolute integrity. It's not something I would ask anyone else to do, but it's very, very interesting. It's funny that you mentioned that because there are two other people in my life who have been as profound an influence as you have. And they're both, one is a, was a parole officer who turned into a therapist and the other is a psychologist, PhD. And they both have gone on this path as well. Mm. And part of it, at least the way that one of them explains it, is that repeated behavior. So like not even just lying directly, but not not adhering to the truth meticulously. When you do that repetitively, it goes to a part of your brain, which shifts from being both hemispheres to only left hemisphere to the back of your left hemisphere. And then it becomes crystallized so that the behavior actually becomes who you are. Like Hmm. it's it's biological. And so that when you are confronted by big things in life, you do can't depend on yourself because you're inherently unreliable. So they both made a practice of this intense integrity so that they can trust themselves, which I think is fascinating that you're doing that too. Yeah, maybe there's a trend toward it because there's so much conflicting cultural pressure and I, I pair culture and nature as opposites. There's so much cultural pressure that we don't all know what we want to be. We don't know we lose ourselves in the clash of cultural pressures. And for me, the only answer to that was to find out what was absolutely true at the absolutely core of myself. So maybe maybe it's a trend we're starting here. <laughs> but culturally, though, we're always lying too, right? Instagram is one big lie. Oh, yeah, right? <laughs> big, exhausting lie. <laughs> no, actually, try to be reasonably honest on my Instagram. I'm completely in integrity except on Instagram. <laughs> All right, so give me some instructions. What is the instruction manual for integrity, for living in integrity? Well, the first thing is to know that you do it gently. Be gentle. The first thing you learn out with wild animals, I used to, when I lived in the forest, I would go out and meditate for hours covered in bird seed so that (laughs) as I sat there, chipmunks and birds would forget that I was alive and just land on me and, and eat the seeds and stuff. And I found that there's a level of quiet and a level of gentleness in nature that you just don't get in human culture because we're all so busy performing for each other. And, you know, we tell children to look adults in the eyes. And for primates, that's a hostile behavior. It's terrifying for some Mm. children to look into another person's eyes. So the first thing is be very, very, very gentle because nothing else is honest. Your true nature is gentle. And then you start to find places where you're uncomfortable. And you simply say, why am I doing that? And you you find the answer, well, because I want to be good. Okay, well, why do you want to be good? So people will like me. It always ends up so people will like me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then it's just, and okay, well, do you really need other people to like you so much that you have to leave yourself? No. And then you find out what's true for you. You create a space, first of all, for inquiry and contemplation of yourself and, and compassion and gentleness are the only way you're ever going to unearth that wild animal in the center of your soul. Hmm. And then you do whatever it says. And what if life won't let you go off into the woods? What if life won't let you take a time out like that? How do you get in touch with this in the middle of the noise? 
Yeah. Well, first you question the thought, life won't let me do this because there's a lot of stuff we believe we can't do that is actually within our physical capacity to do. So there are absolutely people who can't get away from culture. But the first thing to say is, is it really true that you can't take a walk in the woods? Is it really true that you can't set aside a day to go do that this week? Um, If you're saying it's true and it's not, you're lying to yourself. And that has all kinds of terrible physiological effects, psychological effects, interpersonal effects. So you say, okay, if I'm absent, say if you're in prison, Lisa, when you said the first person who influenced you was your parole officer, I was like, wait, tell not, me. Your, <laughs> not your parole He wasn't officer. my parole officer. He had been a parole officer. But oh, I, I could have... a fun story if you had been your parole officer. <laughs> Much better. Yeah. So if you're in prison, maybe we you all need a life coach who is also a little bit of a parole officer keeping us on the straight and narrow. I've coached people in prison where they were, had to have the warden there with them and everything. Mm. So cool. how, do they, how do they get in touch with that monastic <laughs> life that you're recommending? Exactly. Well, you do need a quiet space. Um, every wisdom tradition on earth talks about stillness and silence as being fundamental to this self-discovery of truth. So... Even like I grew up in a very small house with 10 people. I have seven siblings and I did a lot of all-nighters, especially as an adolescent, because I needed stillness and I wouldn't recommend that. But if you are in prison and people are shouting all day, wait until they go to bed, like take any space of quiet you possibly can. Actually, worse than being in prison is being a mother of small children. (laughs) That is literally the hardest place that you could go to find yourself. But eventually they do, they do all fall asleep at once. Once in a blue moon they do. And then you, if it's only 10 minutes, great, that's fine. But go to a specific space and the, the, Every tradition says you start with the breath. You start by slowing and deepening your breathing, which switches off your fight-flight system, switches on the rest and um, the tendon-befriend hormones, they call it. And then start to, for example, listen for the beating of your own heart Hmm. or ring a bell or a gong and then listen to it fade and then listen to the silence where it used to be. So you can actually not, do that right now. So this is not straight up meditation you're talking about. It's just no. awareness, like really intense. That's what it's sounding like to me, intense well, awareness. Well, I love meditation. There's not a single culture on earth that talks about the quest for truth that does not recommend something very similar to meditation. Yeah. So I do different forms of meditation, but this is just following a sound until it disappears and then following silence. And what it does is it focuses your attention very intensely on a silence that is always present. Part of the problem with silence, though, for people like me, and I'm sure one or two listeners out there, is that silence is instantly filled by our own chattering inner voice. It's like, it's hard. You know, solitude, getting away from other people is way easier than getting away from your inner chatterbox. Um, (laughs) Pascal said, the reason for all men's sorrows is that we cannot sit quietly in a room alone. And that is really true, especially if if you've been separated from yourself, from your true nature for a while, there's tons of chatter. So what you do is you comment on the chatter. You just keep saying, oh, there's a lot of chattering. Oh, there, and there are different visualizations people use. Um, 
I used to work with horses in a round pen. And if a horse is frightened, it'll run around and around and around the pen. And I used to just sit and watch my thoughts as if my head were the inside of a round pen. And I would just watch myself race, racing thoughts, racing thoughts, racing thoughts. If you keep breathing slowly and you keep commenting and naming the events that are going on inside the head, they can go on at the same time that a part of the brain in the back starts to watch them. And you get this sense of something called the internal witness. And the witness is quiet. I'm sure you guys have talked about this before, right? Like We have. I mean, I, and somebody once asked me, what's the one thing that you, if you had to boil it down to one thing that you've learned from doing this podcast? And I, I had to say it. It's, it's that we should all be doing some form of meditation. I know. It's monotonously true. Yeah. But I got to tell you, there is a point where it starts to get quiet in there. And ah, the, the field of fascination that opens then is unlike anything you've ever experienced. It will take your breath away over and over and over again it, forever. It is so magnificent. It's like, it's hard to focus the, the microscope or the telescope, but the moment it gets into focus, it's just like, oh, this, the silence that opens up is, it's just exquisite. Like there's no way to describe it in language and you never want to stop going there. And if you can just hang in long enough, develop the witness enough that you become not the size and shape of your own thoughts, but a little bit bigger watching from the outside, and then begin to switch identification from the racing to the one watching, then the watcher, as your identity, sometimes looks away from the racing thoughts. And at that moment, it may see into this field of stillness that everything in you is begging you to join. Can you bring it's, that watcher into every other area of your life? Yeah, it, you can do it. And, and the internal commentary really helps me. Like if I'm stuck in line at the DMV or whatever, and I'm bored, it's so funny because I always forget, what am I supposed to do now? Because I'm frustrated. Oh, breathe. You know, I but as, as soon as I remind myself, and then I start labeling what's happening, breathing in, breathing out, boredom, frustration, anger, immediately the witness starts to separate. And then I can bring the stillness in. But I had to do it a lot by myself. I really had to go away. And I really haven't come back, to be honest with you, for a long time. Are you going to come back? <laughs> no. To be absolutely honest, no, I haven't come back yet. I haven't come to the place where my identity is effortlessly aligned with stillness and there's nothing else in me. So I can't leave the stillness yet. I have to stay until it's me. And, and it's like oxygen. I could, there is no possibility of continuing to live without it. That's how strong it is. More with Martha Brack after the break. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Does it impact your relationships that you're so, like, removed? Because the way it sounds is like a little bit like you're a monk and you're, like, zenned out and... Thing, and and yeah, just, I'm thinking, Lisa, of your four children and what they would do. Oh, they would freak if they, I were if they can't this text you detached. and you don't answer within, you know, what ten minutes? <laughs> you think you got that long a leash? Uh, yeah, it's so, all breaks loose. How does that impact your this movement into a, a a place of deep inner self? How does that impact your out exterior relationships? The first thing is that I notice the way I'm reacting to people and I notice if it's true or not. So if I'm reacting with frustration, there's dishonesty in me and I have to pay attention to it. And, I've, and I will actually say, I'm sorry, I, I was not completely present with you for a moment. I'm gonna, sorry, let me clear my mind. It, it actually was, it was hard on some of my relationships. I had one woman who said she wanted to come visit me. And then I said, okay, I'm going to think about it. And later she said she was devastated because when she said, can I come visit you? She said, you paused. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, well, pausing, I do a lot of pausing lately because I have to check to see what's real, what's true for me. But what happened with my children and my dearest friends and my loved ones was that I got a lot quieter and I started listening to them more and not just listening with my ears, but listening with my, literally with physically with my heart. Like I listen with my chest now. Right. I know that sounds weird, but like if my chest isn't open, I can't actually feel what's happening for them. And I just, as I slowed down the pace of my conversation, they slowed down to match it. Because here's the thing, we train our children how to treat us. You've trained your children to get instant responses. 
I don't feed my dogs from the table because I know that that way lies madness. <laughs> but I've tra- I trained a lot of people to get instantaneous responses from me. And you have to untrain them. You have to take responsibility for having trained them to do that. And then you have to take responsibility for training them to do something that's, that matches your integrity more. But if you're doing it from a space of just looking for your own authenticity, there's no attack in that. There's no attack. It's always paying attention to the other person's point of view as well. It's, it's just gentle. I, it's so kind, this stillness. There's so much softness in it. So I've become slower and softer in my connections with other people. And I realized that I was overriding so much that they were trying to express to me that I never saw because of the noise inside my head. So it's made... My relationships are fewer and deeper. What about interactions with people that maybe aren't safe to be gentle and vulnerable and open with? I mean, because you're a public person, you're out in the world. There, and not everyone is coming from a place of gentleness and kindness, and and maybe it's not. You, there's a you need a protective element when you're outward facing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do there? Because being totally honest isn't always I mean that's hard when you're around people who don't want the best for you. No kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I wrote a book about Mormonism a few years ago that got me death threats and um continuous, not not like short lived animosity, but sustained hostility. And that was from telling too much truth. And so you do need to create safety. And I, th- I guess that's why I moved to the woods for one reason, you know, to get away from, from people. One thing is you limit your public exposure to things that feel innately good to you. When you are in the face of animosity, silence is a really good response sometimes. And so is absolute um, alignment with one's own with that stillness. So you can f- Right now, I stopped talking as quickly because I was listening for the answer. As you asked me that question, I remembered going on a radio show where someone was waiting to call in with questions. They had a file on me and they were calling in specifically to denigrate me, to say I was a liar, to say I was mentally ill. And this book that I'd written was so evil. And I listened and I listened. And when this woman finished her attack, which went on for like five minutes, I said, it doesn't sound like my book is the right one for you right now. It would probably be better if you went and read this other book that my brother-in-law wrote about how bad I am. I think (laughs) I feel so much calmer if you read that one instead. Do you want me to give it, get a pencil? I'll give you the title. So that having a hostile reaction to someone because they've attacked you is one of the ways you make yourself vulnerable to culture. A wild animal will just disappear. And so when somebody comes at you with animosity, you can tell the truth in a way that makes that it's like there's just air for them to respond to. There's nothing for them to push against. And that actually is a safer place than conflict by far. And if you mean to, there's a great story that I heard in South Africa about Nelson Mandela in prison. He used to really love it when new wardens came in because he would start working on them with this kind of 
energy that he exuded that they call the Mandela magic. It was really just love. But he would make friends of them within a couple of weeks. And then one day they got this warden in who was extreme. I think he was a psychopath, right? So he brought all these people together at Robben Island and he said to them, you've been turning this prison into a library, into a school for for philosophers. This is a prison and we're going to treat you like prisoners. Nelson Mandela was at the back of the room. And as this guy talked, suddenly Nelson Mandela just started to yell at him. And I don't know exactly what he yelled, but he was very, very aggressive. And the the warden shut down. Now, this is what highly narcissistic people do if they're confronted. So a non-narcissist will fight back, but narcissists have this interesting psychological dynamic where if you get louder than they are, they suddenly become submissive. And this is what happened to the warden. And then one of Nelson Mandela's friends said to him, I've never seen you lose it like that. And he said, Oh, no, I didn't lose it. That was what he needed. Hmm. So you can feel nature tells us when to run, when to freeze, and when to fight. And if you're tuned into your truth, it is your nature, and it will always tell you the right thing to do. Can I ask, though, in that moment of fighting, it's Mandela's part of Mandela's magic and greatness that he did not feel... Compromise that he didn't feel his heart beating out of his chest, that sense of, I've lost control, I'm crazed. Whereas I think a lot of us, I mean, it's, it's, it's so intensely permission-giving what you just said, that, you know, with this, with this story, that sometimes you do need to raise your voice. Sometimes you do need to sort mm-hmm. of shout down. It's not like we all just walk the middle way in monk-like silence and take it and take it and take it. No. But at the same time, that it, it often doesn't feel good, and you often come away from it with a sense of guilt, like... Why did I why did I do that and look how I you know look how yeah, frantic that to, made me feel. That's exactly why I needed to get my integrity straight. I, I needed to know that every time I reacted to someone like with with loudness or with aggression or whatever, that I was doing it from a place of my true nature and that I wasn't out of control. I wasn't a human ego responding to another human ego, but that I was responding to that stillness from which comes, you know, the big bang. It's, it can be incredibly violent, but it does it at the right time. You tap into an intelligence, the intelligence of nature that knows how to use your mind and body to fight for justice without disrupting anything. Hmm. It, it just, it's, it's very, very fine distinctions that you end up making to live completely honestly. And for me, I mean, I really hope that people can just go there. But for me, it's taken my entire life of, of really studying it. But I feel like I'm getting closer. <laughs> and you're closer. teaching people this path. Is that what the Wayfinder path is? is that this was in- slightly different. That was um, when I was in Africa once. I, I had a dream that I was being visited by my ancestors and... Um, I was freaking out because that meant a whole lot of pissed off Mormons to me. Um, And then I realized, no, I'm in Africa. It's the African ancestors. And then I got scared because I thought they were going to make me kill a goat. I know. And I didn't want that either. (laughs) But then in the dream, the air sort of thickened and I felt this love and this like a blanket settled over me. And I thought, oh my gosh, the ancestors are here. And they said, and I quote, Martha, relax. (laughs) And then they went away. So I told some African friends about this and they freaked out and ran away. 
They're from the Shangan tribe in South Africa. And I didn't know that if you have a dream that you're being visited by your ancestors in that tribe, you have to see a shaman right away. So they ran off to get a shaman and she came and told me, um, you need to find out about the wisdom traditions of the first peoples. And you need to communicate that to the white people of your country. And everybody in the country, she specifically said the white people. So I spent the next five years researching all these different ancient traditions and wayfinding is what they call it in Polynesia. These incredible people who can find their way to the Hawaiian islands from Australia by looking at the way the waves break against the hulls of their canoes. They're like astonishing human beings. And I started looking at things that they did um, to become so magical. And I, I use the word wayfinder because it, it kind of is self-explanatory, but I use it with tremendous respect and humility because real wayfinders, those Polynesian wayfinders, that's some serious magic. Yeah. So it's kind of about how to find your way through life. And integrity is more about just go sit in a, in a just go sit quietly. You'll get there. <laughs> but it, it's, it's kind of all connected, I think. And for a while, you were talking about finding your North Star. That was the metaphor Same. you were using. And then it was Wayfinders. And now it's getting in touch with your deepest integrity. I think they're all the same thing, really, same. aren't they? It's all the same. Yeah. Yeah. They're just different techniques. And some of them were so similar that my, my daughter kept asking me, why are you writing the same book over and over? <laughs> She's become your editor, well, I've heard. <laughs> well, she is in, she lives in complete integrity. One time um, she was making some cookies and my then husband came up and uh, pulled the blender out of her hand. And he said, here, let me show you how I do that. And she pulled the blender back and she said, I don't give a damn how you do that. (laughs) John and I looked at each other across the room and gave each other this big thumbs up because we were thrilled that she had that much sense of herself. And she always has. So, yeah, she says things to me right out flat that nobody else will. And uh, she is a magnificent editor and got me into this new thing I'm writing about. After the break, I want to get deeper into this conversation about integrity. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. So you have this grounding in an intense awareness of your body and nature. And nature, you, you, you always go back to the wild animals and to the woods. And, and so going to the, the pureness of the natural seems like a very purposeful place for you but then on the other side you have this in un, I, I think it's an unusual ability but this spiritual connection that that very few people have I mean I in in um expecting Adam you had really intense spiritual experiences like talking to angels in your life how do you integrate the intensely spiritual with the with the groundedness of the natural. I think every tree exists in awareness of spiturality. Uh, every animal. I, I think we are the most cut off from spirituality of anything in nature. And the interesting thing about integrity is I just did it as a functional mechanical thing to put my body and mind in order. And what ha- I, I wasn't focused at all on spirituality or paranormal things or anything like that. But the closer I get to being genuinely honest, the more magical my life becomes. It's almost like the whole new age thing of you can manifest anything you want. The part of that that is left out is the more you're in tune with yourself and the more you're living in tune with yourself, the more the magic works. So I just wanted to be honest not thinking about magic at all. And the magical aspects of my life or the spiritual aspects of my life went absolutely ballistic at that point, <laughs> which is part of the reason it's so much fun. Like going out and sitting in the forest, if you start to, if you begin to see that everything loves you and you see it with your whole body, with every cell of yourself, it's very fascinating. You don't really want to leave for a while. You've been through some serious physical suffering in your life, and you've talked about it as a message to you that something needed to change. Yeah, well, Can you I talk just, about uh, that a little bit? Yeah, we have an ally to tell us when we're lying, and it's called suffering. And for me, that took the form of several different autoimmune diseases and absolutely incapacitating pain that lasted for more than a decade. So I've, I became very good friends with pain. And I do mean that. I am friends with pain because I know that it was always coming from a place in my life where I wasn't living in accordance with my true nature. As soon as I found the place I was out of alignment 
and shifted things so that it was in alignment, the pain would start to decrease. And now I have no symptoms unless I get into a pattern that where I'm not living my truth. So you, I mean, it's like you have a, an alarm bell that goes off in your body every time you are doing something that isn't true for you. Yeah. At first I started to get... Well, that's handy. <laughs> right? Right? And everybody has one. Typically people start to get mood problems first. Anger, sadness, fear. If you don't pay attention at that point, it will become tension in the body. And then you might start, it might start interfering with relationship. And then if you still are paying no attention, it will start to be some sort of physical cramping. And then it will get to genuine disease eventually. I'm interested in the role of imagination in this whole process because it feels to me like you are, you know, you have an unusually kind of plastic mind and spirituality is another whole plane. Can imagination help us navigate these moments? I think it's so interesting. It feels to me like we're given imagination as the ultimate tool for a creature living in three dimensions to create anything. So this podcast exists because you imagined it. The rooms we're sitting in exist because people imagined rooms. You know, gorillas put, put leaves over their heads when it rains, but they don't build rooms because they don't have the imagination. Unfortunately, almost all of our capacity to imagine is misused. And I genuinely think that the Almost all suffering, this is another way to say it, comes from the misuse of our imagination. So say someone you love dies far away. This may sound really like, this, this may get me a few enemies, but if you don't know they're dead, you're fine. If you hear that they're dead and then you imagine how awful the world is without them, Suddenly you're in suffering. And almost all of our imagination is fear-driven. What will happen if this goes wrong and this goes wrong and this goes wrong? And how do I make that person like me? And how do I avoid this problem? And so we're always imagining, but we mainly imagine terrible things. If you focus on how that makes your body feel, you will find that it's a lie. Your imagination was not designed to imagine horrors. It was meant to imagine beyond anything you've ever experienced that is good. Like it's, it's meant to push the creative capacity through this three-dimensional physical brain to the point where we can create things that have never existed. Um, there's this weird disease called uh, sudden artistic output syndrome. <laughs> and it, and I want to catch it. Sounds good. Oh, I don't think you do because it generally okay. happens after someone has a horrible stroke or okay. in oh, one case, a guy was hit by lightning. Another guy had half his brain scooped out by an airplane propeller, Ugh. but they lived. But somehow part of the brain that was taken out um, seemed to be inhibiting this artistic, innate artistic ability. So the guy that was hit by lightning, he was a surgeon, but he started hearing music in his head and he started compulsively teaching himself to play the piano and ultimately composed symphonies and things. Um, the guy who was, there was, who was uh, hit by the, the propeller became a phenomenal sculptor. Um, other people who have strokes become painters and they can't, they go from no artistry whatsoever to 
cannot stop 10 hours a day just just gushing creativity. Their imaginations go bananas. And here's what that tells me. The brain is not the seat of creation. It's a filter. It's an inhibitory device. Because when part of it is missing, the power of creativity flows through the part that's left explosively. The human capacity to connect with creation itself is in there, and a lot of our brains are built to try to make that not, you know, to damp it down. Like the capacity for us to imagine great things is absolutely unlimited. But we have to approach it slowly because, honestly, I think if we if we really connected with the full power of our imagination, it would it would blow our minds. It would like knock us over dead. That's how intense imagination is. Well, I feel like our minds have been blown just by talking to you today and definitely feel like my imagination has been peaked. Anyway, thank you, Martha, so, so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Okay, listener out there, get more on Wayfinder Life Coach training at marthabeck.com. The Road to Somewhere is recorded in New York City. Make sure to share, subscribe, rate, and review us. We would love to hear from you. Where are you on your journey? Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at pod2somewhere. And email us at roadtosomewhere at iheartmedia.com. Special thanks to Alicia Haywood, our incredible producer. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on The Road to Somewhere. We're available on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.